cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Hello, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howell. Andrew on the board. SB Futures down 6. NSA Futures down uh, 112. We had a bunch of earnings last night. We got a... Uh, we have uh, yeah, Tesla's down 11 bucks. It's down 4. percent We have uh, Netflix down 33, even though they they beat on revenue, but that's uh, um, it's that's almost 7. percent That's a lot. Um, do we have Professor Lou? Good morning, sir. How do you read me? Read you loud and clear. Over. You, you pick. I just got a. I just got a an e or a message on my computer that my internet connection was unstable, and I thought. Well, if you think my internet connection is unstable, you ought, to, you ought to see the people I'm going to be talking to here in like two seconds. We are absolutely unstable. Yeah. The, the uh, insta- instability is a way of life. Um, especially in some cities, like, like here, Chicago, you know. We're just saying. Anyway, just saying. Uh, we're, doing, we're doing good. Um, it's, uh, it's hot here. I assume it's hot there. You actually, know, it's it amazing. is not. It's amazing. Summertime, summertime rolls around, and, and it gets hot, and people go, oh, my God, it's hot. Um, it's a little bit hotter this year than normal. What, 31 days in a row over 110 in Phoenix or something? I've never had that before. That's the record. It's, it, it's somebody, somebody I've, I've got a bunch of friends who live down there, and they, I mean, they say, yeah, it's, you know, it, it might be a couple of degrees hotter than, than normal, but um, the, this stuff goes cyclic. So they... You know, they had a cool summer last summer or a cooler summer last summer. Um, I, I don't, you know, like, I, I guess I, I guess I should be careful about what I say, but I'm, I'm, I've seen, you, you see hot summers, you see cool summers, we see wet summers, we see dry summers. I mean, I, I think the, I think the pace of change and, and the nature of the, the nature of the change itself is not indicative of of much more than the fact that the climate is, you know, is always changing, and that that we live on a, you know, we live in a in an unstable, you know, an unstable planet, and so that's what that's what you get weather-wise. I would I would um, agree. I admit, I uh, it does seem like uh, actually we have had the last two days. Lou have been probably the two most beautiful summer days you've ever seen. Chicago, highs of eighty, virtually no humidity, and like. 65 at night, so you can actually, you know, sleep, but it's, I, I, where did these come from? All of a sudden, we've had a nice summer. Um, but you do, uh, it's, it's... Have, it you guys, have you guys been getting, one of the things that supposedly is, is, is happening is we've got an El Nino situation yep. down in the Central Pacific, so that, that drives a lot of moisture towards Southern California, Arizona, um, and and then and then up, so we had, we've had a very wet uh, spring. In fact, the, the one of the ways I can tell around here anyway that it, that it's much wetter than normal is by looking at Pikes Peak, 
um, my, my house up in the mountains looks right at the western slope of Pikes Peak and it's green above the tree line and, and you know you, you can that's unheard of that's a very wet year when when you've got stuff growing above whatever the tree line is there 11,500 feet or something like that um, when you've got when you can see the vegetation growing uh, at, 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 the, at a distance so I mean, it, we, we, we had a rainy spring, you know, three years ago, we had a rainy spring. I, I, I get it that we've been in a long-term drought, but um, we, we had a we had a very snowy winter. We had a rainy spring. That's consistent with that warmth in the Pacific. Um, I, I, I haven't seen a, a giant bump up or anything like that in the so-called hurricane index. Um, it It's just... You know, at this stage, I, I, I would love to see our climate science people stand up and say, you know, we really don't know what we're doing. Well, uh, I don't think I don't think anybody anybody really does. But there's some things, that, and I'm, I'm not. I, I mean, you know, I'm not in the camp of a. Uh, it's getting warmer. You know, it's my next door neighbor and his gas more. I mean, you know, I'm not in that camp. Um, but something seems weird that the the rain we had. Of course, everybody now. I don't. I don't know. It's between Twitter and and all these different news shows. I don't know if call them news shows. They had some meeting out in Cicero yesterday, and they had all these people. And does everybody, especially if you're female, does everybody have to be totally shrill when they're on TV to get their point across, or can't they just talk? They had some ladies screaming and yelling about how they better do something because uh, the the rain, the flooding is happening all the time. Lou, they got eight and a half inches of rain in four hours. Nothing is designed to deal with that. I got news no. for it. I, no, I, I that's <laughs> so. So before I left Chicago, um, there were days where we got we got like four inches of rain in an hour in Lagrange, and and you know uh, the, the streets flood. Guess what? The streets flood. Yeah, I so, mean it, the one thing that is weird, and you you know you're the the, the pilot. A meteorological expert, the 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 cell that was over Chicago was circular, like a hurricane, and, the, and all the guys here on TV, all the, minute, the, the uh, weather guys are going, this is unusual. <laughs> Never see that here. It was a circular thing. It looked it looked like a tiny hurricane over this over those areas. Yeah, that and the guy goes that stuff usually just comes through here. It doesn't <laughs> spin around like. It. But one thing it's odd, even though these guys are talking about. If you read about the hurricane predictions, there's also, I guess, warm water in the Atlantic, which one guy didn't know how the El Nino was going to be affected by the warm water in the Atlantic because there's two spots now. But they talk about the wind shear was going to shear off the hurricanes, and we probably wouldn't have that, you know, as crazy of a season as maybe some would have predicted. But I'll say this little, little bit I know: when the when the water off Key West is 95 degrees. Any storm that gets in the Gulf is going to be a problem. Yeah, I'm not talking about the ones coming all the way across. You know, maybe Puerto Rico and Cuba and all those guys are going to be okay, but anything that gets in the Gulf, it could be a, a drizzle, and it, but it, it'll turn into a hurricane. It seems if it's yeah. that hot. Well, well, speaking of weather, I don't know if you you heard that giant crash of thunder we just had behind me, but uh, we've got a we've got a big thunderstorm, and by by big, I mean it's going from. It's going from up near Brighton, up north of the airport, extending all the way down almost to Colorado Springs. Well, 
uh, moving across the uh, moving across the front range. Oh, keep it out there. Keep it out there. You know. That's that's right. I was. We were out. Uh, we were out at a shooting range uh, last weekend, and uh, you know, got classic Colorado. We get there. It's about seventy-five degrees, nice and clear, and a few puffy clouds. And then within about thirty-five minutes, the sky goes completely black. You know, you're looking at those puffy kind of cotton ball clouds are called mimatis clouds that are that are forming up and and then the skies just open up and we got about half an inch of hail completely covering the ground and you know rain pouring down and then you know 30 minutes later everything's fine sky's blue how, uh, how big does the hail have to be before it dents your car um i i honestly don't know but the this was this was pea sized. All right, so no, it and, wouldn't. You know, and, and soft, you know, kind of soft as right. it was in the ground. I think uh, I, I would say golf ball sized is the uh, is sort of the warning. What happens shot. if that? What happens if one of those whacks on the head? You get a dent, right? Uh, you can get you can get beat up by uh, by hailstones. I mean, I've I've been out. I've run out in a hailstorm to uh, stupidly grab, uh, you know, grab a hailstone that I thought was really good sized. Oh god. Um, that for, for some reason, the National Weather Service has stopped. You know, it used to be they would describe it in the context of objects that you and I could could pick up on. So, golf ball sized hail, pea sized hail, softball sized yeah. hail. Um, for some reason, now they've started describing it in terms of things like fruit. So, the, the National Weather Service because nobody plays ball anymore. I guess not. The National Weather Service, or it's it's culturally it's culturally inappropriate because you know there's a, there are populations that don't play softball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, um, you're, um, if you're a soccer player, you don't you don't get to play baseball anymore. But but out here out here they were describing a, a storm as having lime-sized hail, <laughs> and I thought, how, how you know that that's a that's a an even more obscure reference than a softball. I'd say it's. I'd say it's. <laughs> I'd say it's somewhere between a golf ball and a tennis ball. You know what a, li- a lime size would be? A handball. But I mean, nobody was a handball anymore. We're more like a, a handball, same size as a lime. Not as well, smaller than a racquetball. Except you know, I think a limes. I think of you know limes and lemons about being about the same size. So a lime. Well, size lemons. Is, lemons are generally a little bigger. Well, that's. That's right, and so I was thinking, lime-sized hail. Why would you, why would you use that kind of, that kind of Probably the edit? probably the person likes uh, gin and tonics and his limes. Could, in there. could be, could be. They were they were at a bar. Yeah. And they saw those those hailstones come down and thought, oh, it's like a lime. Okay. Hey, a, a couple of things. Uh, By the way, what's happening with your your? I, I just want to note, it didn't take long for those lawsuits to get filed against Pat Fitzgerald. In oh, in the whole Washington. place. I mean, every 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 one of member of your your fraternity is. Is, is now there's there's uh, hazing in the cheerleaders or hazing here and there. There's hazing everywhere. Uh, I also want to talk to you about the uh, uh, law here, the no cash bail. Um, I want to talk to you about the uh, the law that Trump is allegedly being. They were talking today in BBM about how obscure this federal law is. Like, how many laws are hanging around in the books? It's, I get to the point where. If somebody doesn't like somebody, they'll find a law. If they do like you, they'll find a way to get you out. Well, well, that's the selective prosecution issue. I mean, yeah. I mean, the I'm not sure which one you're, which law, which law you're talking. Well, they were about. talking about the what was it, Andrew? It was something about a, a 
disturbing a federal proceeding or something? Oh, 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 for the, okay, for the yeah. latest one. I wasn't yeah. sure whether we were talking about the indictment for the the stripper. Um, no, no, and I was also. Or the, or the, the laws involved in the Presidential Records Act. And the documents? No, we're talking about the January sixth stuff. Okay. And also, well, I, don't, I mean, I, I, it's yeah. obscure. I don't, I don't know very much about it, but I, I could certainly talk to you about the. I also want you theory. to opine on, on a judicial system. Uh, we have uh, Netanyahu over here, and he's trying to get rid of the Supreme Court because they don't agree with what he says. So he's essentially trying to become a dictator in my mind, uh, which all these guys I think really want to be. Uh, but when I look at a legal system, Lou and I. I can pretty much tell you, not all the time, and I'm, by the way, I'm not only as good as this, so maybe the guy was an attorney, I can pretty much tell you on every big case exactly how every major judge is going to vote. I'm going to tell you the system is broken, if I can predict it. The system is absolutely broken. Whatever these people told the respective president when they wandered into the Supreme Court, uh, they're, they're out of their friggin' mind. Now, in Illinois, everybody's elected to the Supreme Court, which is probably even dumber, uh, so we have six Democrats and three Republicans, and guess how the the cash bail thing comes down at the Supreme Court? Six to three. It, whatever, whatever it is, it has no bearing in any kind of law or any kind of constitution. It's all politics. Why does anybody think this system is working? Well, it is not. I mean, no matter what side you think you're on, it, this is not working. Because everybody shouldn't have their their little meeting with the president or whatever on the five big issues you you quietly tell the guy how you're going to vote forever, and even though it's a lifetime appointment, somehow you feel obligated to the guy 30 years ago to vote that way. I, some, something is seriously wrong, if I could well, predict what these things are. Okay, so so there's like, again, as normal, there's like 15 things tied up in what you just yes. what you just talked about. Let, let's start with, with you know, predicting how people are going to vote. The our Supreme Court the U.S. Supreme Court is is actually fairly back and forth in terms of of how certain questions are going to be resolved, um, and and I I think you know I I understand the rulings that we get from from these justices, but for example, you would not have been able to predict how Neil Gorsuch would have would have voted. He has been somewhat of an outlier. I'm with you there. Well, he, not just him. I mean, the conservatives generally are outliers. There's a lot more ideological variation in the conservatives group or the so-called conservative bloc than there is in the liberal bloc. The liberal bloc votes as a liberal bloc, you know, 90-some-odd percent of the time. And you, you pretty much can predict how they're going to vote based on their, based on their politics. Um, the conservatives are all over the place. You know, uh, Thomas Ro- is, Roberts has surprised... Roberts, Gorsuch has Robert, but you, you've got you've got Roberts, you've got Gorsuch, you've got Kavanaugh, and you've and you've got uh, um, what's her face? Uh, Kagan. Oh, I just don't Lenny, Kagan. Uh, no, Kagan. Kagan is a solid. Kagan is a solid liberal. Oh, liberal you're, you're talking about the lady who uh, taught at Notre Dame, early conservative. Yes, What's her name. Uh, yeah. So, so those those people are all over the place. And they the, sometimes they go one direction, sometimes they go another, um, but they they tend to um, have a fairly consistent worldview in terms of how they think the law ought to be interpreted. But they interpret it very differently um, in 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 individual cases, which is what 
the judges are supposed to do. So, so, you know, from from our from our perspective, or from a perspective of an attorney watching this, um, there are some things that I can say. Okay, they're going to come down solidly uh, on on these on these very few issues. But you know, there were lots of split. There were lots of split. Well, I'm guess uh, where I'm. The last few weeks, and I've talked to you, uh, Brennan's been out of town. We'll have to hit him up <laughs> Tuesday. I am. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally confused. As much as you and Jan and uh, uh, have tried to straighten me out on this, I'm totally confused on how these cases. Some cases get there. Some cases don't. And how they give. How they. What Jan was trying to explain to me last week. The term status. I mean, how you have how a case has status. And there was a. It probably was a liberal guy. But he's writing on CNBC last week, talking about this this case involving the. Uh, um, with the student loan stuff. And the question is, you know, who's harmed? Who who gets to put the case out there? Well, yeah. it turns out a bunch. It turns out a bunch of states did, and the in the state, the Missouri is was the lead state. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now Missouri says that the people who were harmed, okay, and this is what this is what I don't uh, get. Standing, you're talking about standing, standing not stand, status. Standing, standing right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's it. That's how little I know. Uh, that the people, the, the the state brought it up there, but the state was not getting harmed. Well, here, well, the connection. It was, an it was a. It was a. It was a separate independent agency of the, the state. The state had somehow they put together, and the theory was that if you got rid of the student loans, the people who were making money, I'm, I'm going to say making too much friggin' money, uh, managing the loans or uh, what, what's the term when you mortgage the people that uh, they handle your mortgage that uh, service the, the people that service okay. the loans were going to make less money, therefore they were going to be harmed. Yet, I'm going to say, Lou, that these people are elected by the people in Missouri. And by the way, I'm not a fan of how Biden was going to go about this law, and I think he was taking it too far. Whatever. I, I went through that before. I'm not going to do all that again. But the point is, if I were to sit there on a piece of paper and add up all the money that the people in Missouri who have student loans were going to be positive on this deal versus these service bleeps, I'm going to say the state of Missouri should have been all over getting them, getting the loans forgiven. Not, not worried about their guys getting their fees. How, how does that get anywhere? Well, it, it creates, but it creates a, a colorable damage issue, and then that, that really is all the court needs to I, see. I have no problem if, if that group would have filed suit, said, hey, you, you forgave everybody's mortgages, I'm in the mortgage business. How am I going to make any money? I guess I get that, even though it's laughable. I, I, I get well, this, that. I mean, this issue this issue was raised at the oral argument, and was actually has been was debated all the way up. But I'm saying the, the state of filing. the state of Missouri has no business making this a state issue. When I'm going to say more people in the state of Missouri were going to get the loans forgiven than these idiots. But but the state in this particular case. The state had a colorable interest in maintaining the the value of of the but they have no, the they have loans no. that its entity had undertaken. Yet, if you're a, a voting member of the state of Missouri, you might have a more of an interest in getting your loan forgiven. Well, I would think I would think that the people that actually had standing and 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 they and you don't, by the way, under under the way the court is the courts have interpreted standing, you and I should have been able to go into the Supreme Court and say, I don't want the president to be to be able to forgive four hundred billion dollars 
of tax liability with the stroke of a pen. I'm a taxpayer. That money is partially mine. Without a doubt. And I'm, I should be, but you and I couldn't do that. Well, that's what I'm saying. The thing is screwed up. <laughs> it's, it's, well, it... it so, you're right. So that is the harmed person. What, but now, what, you're, what you're looking at is a fairly, it, it's a very convoluted kind of, of legal analysis designed, it was originally designed to keep frivolous cases out of court. You couldn't just waltz into court and say, I want to sue somebody because and there's, there's a theoretical harm here. Um, but but there are, so, so the court establishes these standing rules that you have to have a colorable injury before you walk in here. And now the issue is what is a colorable injury? And so taxpayers themselves who, who front these these loans and who have to pay them or are going to lose the revenue from them, the injury is too tiny and too remote because the, the, the damage is diffused throughout the population. Right. Specific states with, with certain programs or specific entities created by those states do have standing, and the court, the court said, okay, fine. Now, could it be that the court said, look, this is a problem, what the president is doing, and and we need to we want to reach the issue that the that the president uh, of, of presidential power we want to reach that so we're going to look around and we're going to find somebody that has a colorable claim and we'll that's my point it's, onto that case. that's my point it's absolutely political and and we I, I don't I don't think it is political well I, it's I, something I, it's something it's something completely it's something com- again it's completely foreign to the kind of political analysis that you and I are used to doing because this goes to the courts and, and the, the justices on the courts. This goes to their ideological out, outlook. Well, two things. And the way they interpret the Constitution. They, they didn't want... There's this incredible... This to do with Joe Biden. I know, but this is the incredible thing that... And we're going to break here in a few minutes and then we'll talk about the other stuff, more important probably, but... The thing that frosts the hell out of me, and I think it does some of the listeners because I hear from them, is is this this idea of who gets to select who. Now there there was a this huge bill that probably should never have been passed. That was the COVID Emergency Relief Act that gave yeah. the president a lot of powers. I don't think it gave him the power to to get rid of every student loan. Okay, it but didn't. It didn't. I, I, I get he, it. He wasn't, I'm, using I'm, the, he wasn't using the COVID relief act. I, I, well, but I'm, whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I think he overstepped his bounds. So we're we're agreeing on that. But all kinds of people got all kinds of money in this COVID relief act. That if anybody with any brains went through and looked at it, you'd say, "Wait a minute, way too much money here, way too much money there." The people who got PPP loans that never that never missed a day, all, all your garbage. Picker uppers that never missed a day. All of a sudden, get everybody's get everybody's paid for for six months, whatever it was. I mean, but the idea that the student loan people should not have gotten a bone out of that bill when everybody else did is, is that, ludicrous too. But this this is important, okay? In in terms of how things are done, in terms of predictability, in terms of business interests that 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 you support, you have to have some kind of regularity in your legal process which we don't and, and well we do uh, i mean i mean this is it it compared to other places we do trust me i i, I had litigation in in the, you know russia when i was working there in the 90s and and you want to you want to see a an arbitrary and capricious legal system that place was it i i'm not uh, saying ours is not better than russia i'm not going to go uh, there no 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 i'm just i'm using that as an example of of you know the oh. other extreme 
right, what, what, I, what I'm getting to, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but what I'm getting to is, is these guys found a way in some ridiculous manner to get this student loan thing in front of the Supreme Court under the guise that it's too much money to, to forgive these people. It's his moral hazard. But if you and I, because you'd be better at this than me, if you and I drew up a list of 50 companies that had no business, let's say the airlines, for instance, they got all this money to keep everybody on salary, and they didn't. They forced people to retire. People got laid off. Now, there's a, sh- a boatload of money there that you and I are going to have to pay back. Now, I guarantee you there's no way we can finagle a state, a county, anybody to get something in front of the Supreme Court and say, these guys don't deserve this money. Give it back. And you would, and you would, be, you would be wrong about that because even in the last term, in the last month, there was a decision with that involved this woman who was setting up a, a small business here in Colorado who got her case all the way to the Supreme Court and got the Supreme Court to rule on it, I think, correctly. Okay, what I'm saying is we're not going to get the real money. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want people reneging on loans anywhere, okay? But the idea that the amount of, of money that the student loans they allegedly gave away is, is, is a pimple on the ass of an elephant compared to some of the loans and the PPP and everything that people don't deserve to get forgiven. Yet those people, you're not going to go after those people ever because they're, they're uh, powerful. Those, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if those cases are working their way through the courts uh, or not. I haven't seen a file. You, you think that we're going to find a day somewhere where United Airlines has to write a $2 billion check back to the government? I doubt it. Uh, I, I don't know. But, you know, the short answer is that if that that was done at least by a vote of Congress that authorized the the relief bill. The the student loan thing was not was not done by anybody. It was it was just Joe Biden's uh, attempt to. But there buy were votes there were the other election. in the Trump administration. They gave how many billion dollars to? But, uh, the, but these t- com- okay, Tom. The the distinction is crucial. Those were all authorized by Congress, signed into law by the I, president. I, the court, the court's not going to challenge that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not debating the, the PPP versus the other. I'm saying that it's the motivation, the 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 law that, again, he foolishly used to do this, gave him quote broad authority. If you if you look everywhere there, that the law that Biden used did not. And that was that was a huge part of the issue. Well, uh, the one I was the reading, they said he was, the law that Biden used had nothing to do with COVID. It was a law enacted after 9/11 to provide student loan relief for veterans that were right. going to be called up as a result of the. I thought he used the uh, the COVID Relief Act. No, he used the Heroes Act of whatever right. it was, 2004, 2005. Right. I mean, I'm saying whatever statute. Whatever side and, of the of the ball you're on here, the COVID, the COVID Relief Act was it was enacted specifically to do exactly what you just described: give money to throw money at people. Right now, Kevin tweeted in that uh, there was, the student loans were deferred. What I'm, what I'm saying, Lou, is they used this COVID, the whole policy, the whole mess with COVID. Okay, you use that. You, our government, used that to drive interest rates down to zero. Okay. For a lot of people, and I'm saying, for me to follow through, I would have done this whole totally differently. Which maybe you even would agree with. These guys, I'm not talking about their stuff being deferred for three years. They shouldn't have paid any interest for three years. None of the other people did. Uh, 
that I would, wasn't written into the law. But I'm saying the the policy there's there's no there was no law. I guess there's a law that says the Federal Reserve can drive interest rates down to zero for the big people, and and that for the other. I'm saying. You, you can't be scalping on your own students. You can't be having these people paying 6% when everybody else is paying zero. So if, if what I would have done differently. That, that, is, that is, again, that question was not in front of the court. They, I, they take these cases They take these cases based on the lawsuit that is presented to them. I'm, I'm, clumsily, which, I'm very clumsily saying, and that's why I never make a good attorney, I'm very clumsily saying that I absolutely agree with the Supreme Court decision in the sense that he didn't have the power to do what he did. But the idea that when everybody else, when when they're handing out money like 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 a drunken sailor, the idea that the student loan people should have gotten no relief, to me is crazy. Why should okay. they? All right, quick quick story. I'm sitting in my first year, torts class, you know, wrong civil civil procedure torts class at Duke, at Duke, and and the professor describes a situation where somebody who was had absolutely nothing to do with an accident, ends up having to pay for it because of the way the the way the court system was set up and the way the law had been had been written. And one of the students at the and sticks her hand up and she goes, "That's ridiculous. That's an unfair result." And he he puts his he puts his lecture notes down and looks at her and goes, "That's a very good point, you know, Miss whatever her name was. When you walked in the front door of the of the building this morning to come to class." What did you see over the top of the door? And she said, "It says Duke Law School." He goes, "That's right. It didn't say Duke Justice School." Okay, I, I understand that, and I we have to go to break here. But and I have I meet every Wednesday with a bunch of lawyers and judges, and, and they they chuckle about that too. I'm not saying you're chuckling about it, but you know what? It, the the law didn't allow women to get uh, GI Bill after World War II. You know what? I don't care what the law says, Lou. That sucked. And, and somebody, somebody either brought a lawsuit. I know, I know it was done with regard to certain military benefits. Somebody either brought a lawsuit, or or lobbied lobbied their congressman to get it changed. And it, but it never did. It it did. When? Well, women have GI Bill benefits now. Well, okay, it's sixty or seventy years. Or, anyway, somebody somebody brought a lawsuit, or or lobbied Congress, and that's how the law. Got I just changed. I would. I, I, you know, where I'm, I'm kind of frosted about this because of this cash bail thing. Let's talk about that after the break. SP Futures down six, as that Futures down 105. Hey, we're down a little bit. What the hell? We've got, uh, we got Tesla is is the big mover here. It's down 12 bucks, down four bucks, four percent that is, and we have Netflix down 30 bucks. That's six percent. Those are the big movers in the Nasdaq. That's why it's down. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom and we're on the board. Lou Michaels. Was, by the way, Lou Kevin writes in and said the uh, uh, there was a a uh, interest push for three years during the COVID, and the, they weren't just pushed off. You didn't have to pay interest for three years. So no, but that wasn't the that wasn't the basis. Right. For the no, but it's still they did do something for those guys. They just uh, um, anyway. We'll, 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 let's let's forget that one <laughs> because uh, I'm sure Kevin's right. I just. Um, some of that stuff, the student loan thing, to me is kind of weird. It's all weirded out to me. But anyway, we've beaten that one to dead. The Dow is actually up 38, so we've actually got some stocks in the Dow that are up, namely Janssen and Janssen. You know what's really big? Their earnings came out. In order to make a lot of money on a little is uh, all their med tech stuff. Uh, everybody who didn't have any surgery for three years with COVID is now getting all the hips and knees and stuff replaced that they needed to have done, and they, they're real big in that industry. And those things, those those uh, artificial well, artificial hips and knees cost a lot of money. And Johnson Johnson is kind of a leader in that group, so they that was the one standout performance in their in their earnings. We're in Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 405, 1.2%. Hang Seng down 24. Uh, boy, that much going on there. But 18,928, still under 19,000. Shanghai down 29. That's almost a full 1%. 3169, the whole number there. Over in Europe, uh, DAX is actually up 37.2%. FTSE up 48.6%. Kakaron uh, up 28.4%. Um, tech stocks were down over there, but the rest of the markets are up. So, which is kind of same thing. Same thing here. Uh, yesterday we were up again. Dow up 109, S&P up 10, Nasdaq only up four. So we were up, but it wasn't. Uh, and everything kind of went down after the close, especially the Netflix uh, bonds up four basis points, 3.779. The bond unchanged 2.40. Japan unchanged four. 0.47, so not much going on there today. Oil up 11 cents, 75.46. Up the upper end of the range, I'm not going to say it broke out just yet, but if it goes much higher, you have to say it broke out. Uh, Brent up 34 cents, 79.80. Natural gas up 7 cents, 268. So quietly creeping back up this natural gas. Not anywhere near the $9 it was, but also not near $2. It's creeping almost every every week. Our Bob unchanged, 272. We've got gold up 330, 19.84. Again, trying to make a move towards uh, 2,000 here. We'll see if it makes it. Silver unchanged, 25.39. Copper up six cents, 3.88. We've got Bitcoin, which has been weak. Now today it's back up over 30,000, up 209 bucks, 30,266. And the U.S. dollar versus the euro, virtually unchanged. The pound is down again. The pound, uh, since 
uh, their inflation rate started to come down a little bit. The pound was over 130, now it's 128. So that's a pretty good move. It's been a percent and a half in like two days. Andrew Woody, FOS Traffic Weather Sports. Cubs win again. Yes, they did. Uh, it is July 20th here in Chicago. It's 6.41 right now. And yes, the Cubs won against the Nationals in their game 8-3. Uh, meanwhile, the White Sox lost to the Mets and in their game 5-1. And the Diamondbacks won over the Braves 5-2-3. Over to Chicago weather, it is currently 71 degrees currently, uh, mostly sunny skies today. We're going to have a high of 87, that's going to hit around 4 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're still experiencing that excessive heat warning. Uh, right now they're at 96 degrees, going to have a high of 110 today, and that's going to hit around, looks like between 2 and 5 p.m. And they also have pretty clear skies today. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, it uh, looks like no major accidents to report, very thankfully. Uh, we do have some uh, traffic on the inbound Stevenson, Eisenhower, and always on that Kennedy. Um, a little bit on the uh, outbound Eisenhower as well today, uh, but definitely the worst is on the Kennedy. If you're coming in, expect delays from about Foster Avenue all the way to, looks like, Racine Avenue. So that's a pretty far one. Uh, but other than that, that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Lou, the... Uh Issue here, because um, I definitely want to get into this Northwestern thing a little bit, regarding the, the uh, cash bond. Again, that one came down to Supreme Court on Democrat-Republican lines, just as you would expect. And uh, so I was quizzing my some of my attorney buddies last night on how that actually works, because I, I don't really know how that... Are, are you, a, you were not a criminal side, so what they basically say is if you get arrested last night, wherever you are, you're in some police station, they, they traipse you behind down to county and you get arraigned the next day. They don't really have the night court thing unless unless it's for a, you know, for a warrant or something. It's not like, you know, Margie Post was on TV at night. It's about the whole thing. He says the, the courtroom is jammed with all these people you got, and there's like a five-point system at where you are. Like if, it, if it's you and you've never done anything before and you might be you might be uh, let out in your own recognizance, there might be a bracelet, there might be something. He said, but I didn't realize there, there's like no, no bail bondsman anymore. That if it's a hundred thousand dollar bond, you can probably get let out on ten thousand, but the other ninety is on you. And if you dash, they try and track you down for the ninety. I didn't. It very rarely happens, but once in a while it does. It'll actually track somebody down for the rest of the money where he he, he bailed on his bail. Um, but it's a pretty complicated kind of convoluted system. And if you pull the cash out of it, is it all of a sudden it might even get more convoluted because now there's not even this incentive to get you back here because you put up some money and by the way you owe some more if you don't know some people have bracelets got to stay home some people have something where they can move the neighborhood he said it's really much more complicated than the news leads it to believe and this idea that you know poor people don't have the money they should just be let out because it's it's really a a lot more complicated than that and it could get now it's going to get even more complicated because now his, his prediction is that more people will be held in jail than let go. And everybody else is convinced they're going to let everybody out. We're, well, I, I mean, I, if, if you're in Chicago, you're going to get let out, I think, right? I mean, uh, how, many cases, how, many cases of, how many cases of murders in Chicago and, and armed, uh, armed attacks in Chicago have been committed by people who were, quote, on, on either house monitoring, house arrest, or who were just released? Lot. There's a no. It's it's more than it's more than a hundred this year. Well, I mean, those are the. I mean, I, I don't know the. Let's put it this way. I've, I've read the articles. I don't know how. Uh, what's the term? 
you know, how, how accurate they are. I mean, the idea, there's, there's, I don't think there's any question that there are people are out, but, there, if, but a lot of those people are out on cash bail. And my buddy's point is, they might not be out if there is some well, cash bail. I, I think, it, I, okay, so the whole point of this legislation was to, it was, it was done in response to the George Floyd situation. So, so the, the ostensible purpose of this, this legislation is to avoid having um, in, in a, a uh, you know, incarceration issue with, with particularly African-Americans uh, who, who got, you know, get arrested at higher rates and, and who couldn't, who couldn't make, make bail. I, I was unaware that, and I had not seen any kind of statistic indicating that this was a that this was a problem, that that dangerous offenders were being held because they couldn't they couldn't get out of, uh, or people who were not dangerous offenders were being held improperly because they couldn't get out, couldn't get money to pay. Well, that, that may have been the case. I, I just don't know. Well, a but, little known a little known fact in all this, which is really driving a lot of it, as I said, Bill, how, if I do something tonight, when's my trial? He goes two years. So. They have all because they have all kinds of people hanging in county jail for a year and a half, two years, that maybe shouldn't make bail, can't make bail, or shouldn't be let out or something. And then he goes every day they're found innocent or found not guilty, and they've been a year and a half or two. Because that's the issue is is way too many people waiting for trial. Well, that and that this is this problem is not going to solve that. No, no, obviously. it isn't. So, so now. I, as I understand, I just did a quick look at the statute, and and uh, as I understand it, it it pretty much gives unfettered discretion to your trial court judges, or however you've got your your pretrial release uh, operations set up, whatever judges are hearing those cases, it it gives a, a lot of discretion to to the judge, and and maybe that's what they wanted uh, to say, yeah, I think you're dangerous, uh, you're not you're not getting released. Um, I don't read anything into the statute that that gives. Uh, I mean, there's some guidelines, but I don't give. I don't read anything into the statute that says, okay, if the charge is this, then then you're not you're not getting released. I mean, I mean, but you clearly, might be you might be released with a monitor. You might be released to a house. You might. It's not just free to go and do anything for a lot of these guys. Is what I, which well, I learned last night. It's, it, right, but but even even house release or ankle monitor release. Is, is not effective because they don't have the they don't have the right. manpower to enforce it. So so how many? I mean I've read case after case. Uh, you know, when I say that I mean maybe maybe two dozen of guys on quote ankle monitoring who who are out you know robbing, oh, yeah. robbing gas stations and the whole bit shooting at each other. And uh, you, you you say to yourself, well wait a minute, they got an ankle monitor on. Yeah, yeah. but unless somebody's monitoring that full time, you know they it, don't it, have the they don't have the manpower. No. If, you, if your car gets stolen, they're not going to dust it for prints. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> it's it's a mess. We, so, we're, we're, so I, the the my understanding. First of all, this statute was was rammed through in the emotional uh, yeah, oh yeah aftermath of George Floyd. So this this law gets passed. The governor signs it. The local law enforcement are screaming about it, saying this is a nightmare. It gets challenged, and and ultimately. Uh, blocked by a state court judge in Illinois who says, look, the Illinois Constitution says that bail is a is a uh, an operation or an option under the under under our our constitutional 
system and you can't just wipe it out with an act of the legislature because you have to amend the constitution to do that because the constitution may specifically mentions bail in two in two places so if you want to wipe it out you got to do go through the process of having a constitutional amendment and you didn't do it and so that that part of the statute is is uh, unenforceable and the illinois supreme court two days ago reversed that that was the technical basis for yeah challenging right law. that's exactly right no, nobody nobody came in and said you know, you, the, the, the law is a stupid idea. That That's not the basis for challenging it. The basis for challenging it was you didn't do the right process in making this change. And the Illinois Supreme Court said, no, you know, the, the legislature has this power and and uh, this has been this has been done properly. So the law, the law takes effect. And the issue that that you and I are debating right now as to whether it's smart. I think it's a, I think it's crazy, but but, you know. Pritzker and the rest of them don't don't worry about that. I think it's crazy, um, but that's not what the court was debating. The court doesn't debate that. The court debates whether the law has been properly passed, you know, properly signed, properly written, and and this Illinois Supreme Court said, yeah, it is. So there you go. Yeah, it's a. Uh, what about? And, that, and let me let me just say, in Illinois, because you elect the Supreme Court judges, you have a better way of dealing with that. Than they do in Israel, where the judges. Really Andrew, are you are... falling asleep over there? What are you doing? Hmm? Are you falling asleep over there? What are you oh doing? my God, Mike is on. <laughs> sorry, <Yeah. laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I just said a, I'm sorry. I said a morning yawn. I didn't realize I was on. My you're, bad. You're right, man. You're uh, with that with that great voice of yours. You're right, but it's I, a great. I yawn. affect I affect people like this all the time. <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, it's but it. it, it now, I how often? Say, what is their what is their I, term? I'm I'm 100 behind what Netanyahu is doing with the Illinois with the Israeli Supreme Court, which sounds like a dictatorship of justices rather than because they they have no recourse against those people. Well, and we don't hear either. Not, and they're not even appointed. They're not even appointed. Yeah, sure, we do. They're not even appointed. What can we do about our Supreme Court? You impeach them. Well, okay. In, Was in that Illinois, ever happened? Illinois, you don't reelect them. What's the term? Do you have any idea? I don't. What? Uh, Illinois Supreme Court. I have no idea what the yeah. term is. The, oh, the term is like eight years, I think. Okay. Or something like that. I mean, it's it's you know it's long, but but you you guys you guys at least have a choice. The elected officials don't even get to appoint the Supreme Court justices in Israel. They're selected by some panel. Okay. And as you might as you might suspect, that panel is not representative of of anything well but of course Netanyahu wants to pick the panel which but 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 Netanyahu Netanyahu was elected to do that all right but but it's it's sort of like the mayor uh appointing the the what's the the inspector general duh Uh, but but that's still a a more responsive mechanism to the people than having an unelected unappointed body of guys who have their own little secular club uh, that that you know look around and go well, I, I, w- I would I would like I one to be appointed but hey guy. what's on this northwestern stuff is by the way are you the only lawyer in the world that's not trying to get a case up there or what or are you uh, I'm not trying no um, you saw the you saw the usual suspects come boiling up out of the boiling up out of the muck the, the, saying, the swamp 
we're gonna sue. Ben Crump is there. Was there yesterday? You know, we're gonna. We're gonna I have sue. A, a general and question. I mean, that... I mean, this, when Mr. Crump shows up, and he's got local counsel. When Mr. Crump shows up, I mean, I mean, you know, what you're getting now is a shakedown, and, yeah. and that's that's how this is gonna work. The question I've got is. What what are they what are they challenging? I mean, Dan Webb came out and, and let me tell you something. In a contest between Mr. Crump and Mr. Webb, I bet on Mr. Webb, Pr- pretty much pretty much hands down. Especially in a case in Illinois, um, uh, you know, Webb comes out and and just says, you know, we'll we'll see what the we'll see what the facts show. We'll see what the evidence shows. And and the what I I'm really sort of curious about. Is what they are really alleged really alleging? Are they alleging the the stuff, the, the graphic stuff that was was contained in that original investigation, or are they alleging people being mean to people? Because that's what the baseball team sounds like. The baseball team doesn't. The coach, sound the like coach was just a really bad person, evidently. Yeah, he was just a, just a hard ass, and 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 then they, they. But I, my, yeah. I guess my what I, what I, now they're expanding it out to cheerleaders and all the other stuff. I, oh, volleyball! I was. I yeah. saw the. I'm thinking the volleyball team. You've got a bunch of crazies on the volleyball team. Holy well, cow! You know what? I tell you what, though. Well, I don't want to get into it, but there's, there's a lot of uh, issues with a lot of these girls' teams that we can't discuss. But, but, but I guess my my major question, Lou, is, it, at what point are you? I'm. You know, like I said one thing nice I thought about Notre Dame was that there was none of this fraternity stuff and everything. And I don't know of anybody in Hayes anywhere, and I, w- I don't think I would have put up with it. And Brendan was on saying, you know, he went to wherever he went. Like he said, he didn't, he didn't join uh, any of the any of the frats for just that reason. He wanted no part of it. He's a south sider. Now, if 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 I go into a frat and I want to be there, and I'm 18 years old and I can make my own decisions, and I know that these guys, you know, put a paddle on your ass and stick you in the middle of Marquette Park with only in your underwear, and you got to work your way out of it in the middle of the night. And, and all of a sudden, I want to join this group, and I don't want to be part of it. And I put up with it. Five years, ten years later, how the hell do I sue when I'm I'm the one who said it's okay? I could have walked out at any time. You know, but where does that, where do, where does, where does that intersect with? I don't I don't like I don't like the idea of hazing, and you probably shouldn't be paddling anybody's butt, whatever else they're doing. Uh, but how does that? How do I get to sue? I'm the, I'm I was I was part of it. I could have any given time well, said, uh, you know, thank you, no, again. no, thank you, sir. Don't give me another yeah. and walk out. Yeah, uh, I think the, I think the argument is going to be that the school and school officials were sanctioning assaults and and uh, harassment at a level that that was inappropriate, and and then and they're, it, therefore they're they're going to say. These football players were sexually assaulted by agents of the school, and 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 that really is the way they're going to try to to latch on to the money. It sounds like the football team went over and aboard, and since those guys were essentially getting paid, and this is going to what I'm trying to lead you into, Lou. How would this be different if they were employed or considered employees, which you and I think they probably should be? Um, well, I I don't think they should be considered employees. I think that that. Analysis is totally wrong, and by the way, I think I think the Supreme Court was totally wrong on their on their NC two A decision. But um, the if these people were employees, this this gets this gets to be a very straightforward you know violation of 
state law against assault and battery, a violation of federal law involving certain types of harassing behavior based on a protected factor. They'll throw a race or they'll throw something else. Well, the race card was already coming up with one of the guys yesterday. Yeah, they'll throw gender identity into the mix. But, you know, that will be a hostile work environment under state law, under federal law, and they'll litigate it like that. I mean, the key point here is to ascribe or attribute as much of this stuff to the university through tacit approval by the coaching staffs of this kind of conduct. And to the extent that you can show or at least raise a jury question as to what the school knew and when it knew it, you can make a case. And, I mean, I think you'll get through the preliminaries and maybe get to a trial. Now, Northwestern is going to try to block that. But what they're doing right now, what Northwestern is doing right now, is going back to their investigator. We talked about this last week and saying, how much of this stuff did we know about in your investigation? Did you see this? Did you hear about this? I mean, what's happening right now is something you talked about, which is this piling on that is happening. Everybody who ever felt bad at a practice is going to stand up now, reach out to these attorneys, and say, hey, I might have a payday here. And I'm not talking about the salted nut rule. When you start talking about bullying when the people are 18 and 20 years old, it takes on a whole different connotation to me. What's bullying? Showing up late for practice and having to run a lap? I mean, I guess in somebody's mind that's bullying, not in mine. I mean, what definition are we even – who gets to make the definition at this point? And see, this is the – so you always want – you always want your team to enforce the standards internally. And, you know, the way that these teams were enforcing these internal standards of performance, of doing the right thing within the team setting was apparently pretty awful. And so to the extent that they were doing that and the coaches knew about it, there's going to be a problem. Well, the idea that a guy's been there his entire life and played ball there to say he didn't know about it, to me, is so bizarre I can't go there. Well, that's part of what I was trying to understand here. I mean, some of these claims, the statute of limitations is going to run. Some of the claims I'm looking at going, okay, why is this coming out now? What was the trigger event? And let's group – you know, the problem is now in the minds of the press, of the media, all this stuff gets grouped under the same heading, whereas there almost certainly were gradations of this. There was some stuff that was just coaching. There was some stuff that was on the other extreme that was assault. And so you've got to break those out. And you would hope that the young men and women that you have that make it into Northwestern, you would hope that they would know the difference. And obviously they didn't. And that's another interesting thing. I mean, I listened to the kids that they put in front of the microphone yesterday. I mean, these guys were articulate, smart, you know, upstanding people as far as I could tell. And I'm going, what did you guys think was going on here? You know, I heard one of them say, you know, we come in as high school seniors, you know, right out of high school. We don't know 
this is the way things aren't done. And I'm going, no, I'm pretty sure you have a good idea. This oh, God, I think there's a, lot, was a real good idea that that was out yeah. of bounds. <laughs> they, give a pretty, they give a pretty good idea that this was out of bounds. It, it you know, it, it's going to be, I think a lot of this might revolve around the idea of, you know, who was a member of the club and who wasn't a member of the club. Yeah, it's a, well, well, Kevin brings up a point that it was really kind of hard to transfer up until a couple of years ago, but I mean, I, I would say that, you know, some, some coaches have been, uh, have had reputations. I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure, but some coaches have had huge reputations of, of if, if you, they decided that you weren't a future in their program to make life as miserable as possible for oh, you. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's bullying or whatever it is, but it's certainly not a nice day. Oh, no, they ran they, – that was those tales of people being run off because they didn't they didn't have the authority to pull the scholarship or didn't want to be known as the coach that pulled scholarships from people, so you get people to quit. That, that That's that's part of the game. Yeah, it was uh, – the one I remember years ago was – It's a, not a nice part. Was, was, I think it was either – I won't put a name out there, but I, I'm thinking it might be the Nebraska guy that was – his trick was that you had to get down on your hands and knees and – and push the football 100 yards with your nose or something. <laughs> and if you did it a couple times, you said, I don't think I'm playing here and you'd leave, you know, type of thing. Uh, I mean, everybody has their their shtick and are used to. And, 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 the, and the, the, the laws were, I mean, the idea that if people quit, you could get another scholarship. Eh, you know, I don't know if that was ever a good idea, Lou. I mean, it, all this stuff comes from sometimes the design of the laws you always, you always talk about. Um, all right, I'll talk to you next week, buddy, if not sooner. And, uh, Trying to get hit in the head with a big hail hailstorm. I don't know. Is there whose fault is that? Do we get to sue God or what? Uh, those would be those would be acts of God, I would think. Although although if you're out running around in a hailstorm, there's an act. You know, it, it's more of an act of stupidity rather than an act of God. <laughs> Can your wife sue you? <laughs> God. Anyway, we should all just sue everybody. What the hell? They're all two years out getting the suit done. As, as a lawyer, as a lawyer, I support that position. Abs- absolutely. SV Futures down seven. SV Futures down ninety-five. Be right back, Mr. Danjanitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, Norpex, Tyson Jackson, I'm Tamau. And we're on the board. SP Futures down 650. NASDAQ futures down 87. It was down a little bit more earlier. Uh, NASDAQ is pretty much, I'm going to say all, but, well, I'm about all, but I'm going to say Tesla's down 984. That's almost 3.5%. And we have Netflix down 26. It's come back a little bit. It's only 5.5%. It was down more. So those two were kind of taking the uh, NASDAQ down a little bit, along with NVIDIA down 377. It's almost a full percent. Um, Dan, how are you, buddy? Good. Good. How are you doing? Going all right. Uh, Jousting with Lou about the various legal stuff that goes on and crazy stuff, but uh, we we already we already took care of that. What's going on with the market, buddy? What are we what are we gonna do here? Is it we yeah, are we, getting, it, we getting toppy or are we get what are we doing? It's an interesting period. I, we have been selling into this rally um, just because I don't think it's sustainable, at least in the near term. And um, I'll, I'll I'll give you a couple reasons why we've been speaking about this. There's a lack of liquidity um, in the high yield bond market. Um, we talked about the fact that the bid offer spreads have widened out, and that's always an early indication for things that are yet to come. So in other words, even though on the surface, it seems like some things are, you know, some companies are getting bailed out like Carvana and companies that are highly leveraged are having issues, it's not gonna apply to every single company. So there is still this lack of liquidity and high yield the liquidity in the small cap space has picked up a little bit. We've seen a little bit of a rally there, but there are still some concerning factors. Now we're likely to see another um, increase in the Fed funds rate next week. Um, so there, there's definitely a, a majority um, belief that we're gonna see higher um, interest rates. That's gonna keep a cap on this crazy growth. I mean, this crazy rally especially on the tech side. And you actually just mentioned two names um, with Netflix and Tesla. They both beat expectations, but yet their stocks have traded down. So the reason I believe for that is that these, part of the reason is that each of these companies has some underlying fundamentals that's putting a cap on things. Tesla with 
you know, trying to reprice their their um, vehicles. And Netflix with just some of the same issues they're having with competition and streaming and subscription and and you know the whole um, mess that's kind of going on right now in that sector. So so the if we were in this very strong um, bull rally, then these stocks would perform better when they have earnings that have beat expectations. So across the board, we're seeing other names that have also beat where the stocks have traded down. So to me, that's another indication that this rally doesn't have legs. It, it you know, we're, we may not see any major downturn, but I don't see a whole lot of upside from here. I think we've, we've already experienced that. And there's probably gonna be a rotation into some other sectors, for example, value. Um, they're still in the back of our minds and we've been talking about this for a while. Those names that are gonna benefit, those companies that are gonna benefit from the infrastructure build out. I mentioned one last week, um, construction partners, which I mean, construction systems, comfort systems, I'm sorry, I'm mixing up some companies. Comfort systems, which makes the HVAC for um, commercial. So it's the heat and air conditioning systems for commercial buildings, not for residential. And I'm actually gonna see uh, one of their larger operations in Tampa next week. Um, they have done very well in this environment and they will continue to do well as their, you know, this infrastructure build out um, continues. So we're at just at the early stages. So I think if there's a rotation into any companies, it's gonna be those companies that will benefit from the uh, in infrastructure um, spending that is yet to come or is just starting to hit right now. So there will be a good to tone to the market. There's a ton of money out there still, as we've talked about in the past. However, there is a little bit of a cloud from higher rates, definitely a cloud from the illiquidity in the, in the high yield market. And obviously a lot of um, skepticism from some investors, I think predominantly institutional investors, as to whether this particular rally can continue and whether the companies can continue to, to beat earnings. Now, on the other side of that, the reason that we've been seeing this rally has a lot to do with the fact that there are signs of inflation coming down. When the consumer can actually see signs of inflation coming down by grocery prices coming down and and maybe rents coming down, when they can actually physically see that, that's when the level of consumer sentiment and investor sentiment picks up. But for us at least, with our income-driven strategy, we're looking at risk-adjusted returns, and when you can get five, more than 5.5% now on the six-month T-bill, right. percent on investment grade, um, seven, seven and a half to 8% on investment grade corporates, and, and really good quality high-yield bonds, you then have to decide, is it worth getting into a very volatile equity market where there's definitely some some um, headwinds? Well, I, uh, I I think that what you're what you said is absolutely true. I, I just I still can't this the idea we talked about it earlier in the week twice, so I want to do it again. But there was a uh, an article by uh, Jeff Cox, CNBC, talking about the, he essentially was dancing back and forth between the current inflation number and the current price level. And I don't even know if he, he knew he was doing it. But, again, I think they're two totally separate things. Uh, and I, they are. And on the one hand, I think people sense the the rate of change of, of prices is slowing. Yes. But it's it's still going up. And the thing that I see, Dan, I don't know, uh, 
don't know why I, I just I'm sure you probably see the same thing but I, I don't think the normal American, who nobody, basically nobody gives a crap about, basically, and, you know, do they? I mean, they don't really. Uh, when I say they, you do, but the, the sticker shack, I don't think the regular American even understands what the price level has done to him until they need a car, until they need a roof, until yeah. they need a window. They don't even realize the, the pickle they're in. One, I know one guy here works in the building. <clears throat> His wife had some tests at one of the local hospital. She was there two hours. The bill was like twenty grand, and his shares five. He goes, she was only there two hours. There was no operation. There was no doctors involved. These are these are tests. Yeah. You know, and then he goes, I don't have five grand. Where, where, where did that come from? You know, it's like I, I don't. I don't. I think the somehow, some way, the the evisceration of the populace with the price level where it is, in some ways, is just starting. Yes. Yeah. I agree 100%, and I also agree with that not really being well aware of it because the money, and it's just the mindset of a lot of people, and certainly not us from having been in this industry for so long, but we really try to teach uh, you know, and mentor people um, to understand how to manage manage their finances and, and why you don't spend as soon as you get money. Like, But that's still the mentality of a lot of people that they're, a lot of consumers, you know, now that they had their you know, their, whether it be their checks from, from PPP or whether it be, you know, an increase at work or what I've seen with clients in inheritance because as some of the baby boomers moved on, the, the, the people, like a number of my clients, the, the children, uh, you know, who are starting families are using that money to buy homes. I mean, they're, they're really spending all that money rather than keeping some of it, saving some of it. Um, for a rainy day, you know, when they may have, um, you know, a situation where the where the job market is not quite as favorable as it is to them right now. So I absolutely agree with that. The other area that's still concerning would, you know, here we're seeing it more in Florida than, than maybe the rest of the country, but property and casualty insurance companies, um, people looking at their insurance bills, a lot of HOAs, a lot of condo buildings here, People on fixed incomes realizing that they can't afford this huge increase in, in their um, their whether it be their property taxes or more importantly their insurance rates, not just because of the hurricane we had recently, but but because of the trend in the industry. So I know travelers reported their numbers were off, um, and I think of them as more of a blue chip PNC company. So there there I agree with you that there's there's a lack of budgeting if you will and a lack of saving we this is a great environment for individuals who are listening to start putting some money into savings where you can get five and a half percent or put money into to our strategy where you can get closer right, to seven or eight percent <clears throat> but how do, how do you get how do you but, get but to... it's not the time to spend it back in the market you, you know it's not like get that first paycheck and spend it immediately it's because that, and, and you're right, you're paying a higher price. Um, there's a, you know, I know, I, I'll admit, even when I was younger, the first home that I purchased, I really just wanted to buy a home, but I had gone back to grad school, unlike some of my friends. And when I came back to the Boston area, the prices had already gone up considerably, but I really wanted to buy a place. And that was my biggest mistake in real estate, my only mistake in real estate, prior to you know buying something in 87 and then watching the market crash in 89 um the real estate market crash yep. up there and and the point is just that i think you know if you take a step back and look at the big picture 
if if something looks expensive and it doesn't look right then it isn't right if it, if it appears to you that you're paying too much money for a condo a first home you know it might make sense to look at an alternative unless you really know that you have unless you can space your money out over a period of time unless you know that you have time um, because otherwise you could end up in that situation and I did with that first house that I got stuck with for 10 years as a, as a landlord and I think I broke even after 10 years so for all of those people that think oh yeah real estate you know goes up in one direction it's timing just as it is with what we do it's when you get into the investment and when you get out of the investment well that that the buy and hold theory is when you bought and when you held too, right? Yes. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Yeah. It's, that's ex you're exactly right. In fact, I, I heard it just yesterday. I totally agree. We are not in a, um, you know, this, the, we have a buy and hold strategy for, for our business. We're long-term investors, but it's for a lot of investors. They're not looking at it, especially retail investors. They're not looking at this period as a buy and hold period. So it's it's a um, you know when you're paying top dollar and you're and you're locked into something you know the, the easiest example is real estate you have to consider the investment that you're making and and um, you know kind of look at it historically and, and maybe look at some alternatives. Well, the only thing I'll I'll, I'll push back on, on that a little bit, Dan, just because we push back just to get you fired up. Um, most most people at the time and that's why you know I'm not young anymore but the guys that were older than me would give you the story ah you just do this and you do this well you know what there was a generation maybe before me you couldn't screw up if you tried i mean but by buying something yes. but there are there are times and i know i know just the period you're talking about because that's when i was uh trading in the oex pit and uh, a lot of the guys that were that went out and bought homes right when you're talking about and in 10 years uh they broke even basically but but I think what happens is you're, you're you're driven by life. I mean, I I didn't maybe yes. I should have. But when you when you come out of school, you get the one bedroom apartment, you get the girlfriend. All of a sudden, you get married. You, you need a one bedroom. You can put up with that for a while. The first kid comes along, you need two. The second kid comes along, and and wait a minute, we need a yard. We need something. And everybody's on this progression. I mean, I I, I challenge a guy who. Is wife and two kids, and she's dying to get a place where everybody's dying all over her to say, honey, it's not the year to buy a house. That ain't happening. I mean, unless you want a divorce, for God's sake. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not like your wife's a dummy. She's not. I mean, but by and large, it's a matter of timing. If you happen to be in one of those years, I mean, when I bought my house in Beverly, I think I paid, I don't know what I paid for the damn thing, 110 grand. I think I had a 12.5% mortgage. Dan, it wasn't two years. Somebody came knocking on my door. I'll, I'll give you one ninety, and I said yes, which I never should have. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, you, you, I couldn't have screwed up, no matter what, as right. long as I could afford the mortgage, which I could have, thank God. Um, but you know, I mean, but now I don't know about this moment. But you know what? What I wanted to ask you, because I think you know more about the inner workings of this than me. I probably should, but I, how much? Usually, when you see a big run up in the market, cause sort of the Fed is involved. Okay. I don't know. They did push all that money in a few months ago, which probably, if you take a six-month lag, is just working its way through now. And the stuff they've pulled back is something we got to deal with a few months from now. But right now, I think a lot of this push is that money they put in for uh, with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, right. But 
But I'm saying how much of the momentum in the market is because all of a sudden there's more money in the market. I mean, with the, the, the thing in Microsoft the other day, the thing's up like 20 bucks. It finished up maybe 15 but damn, it's $15 billion. And, you know, in one stack that all of a sudden is now buying power. So, some, right. so it's it's almost like made money. I mean, it's. I mean, I I know you're familiar with. I don't know if the listeners are. It's even more bizarre, or or, or uh, say more of a red light sh- shining. If all of a sudden there's a gold market, you know, which you and I maybe think someday there will be. If you put up your margin, say say you buy a gold contract, the margin's five grand. Well, if you're right and it goes up that day, and all of a sudden you have ten grand in your account. You can go buy another contract, right? Because now you have the market. I wouldn't recommend right. that. And by the way, at PTI, we probably wouldn't let you do that, but but you could. Okay, it's it's all about how much how much of the market momentum is just because it has momentum. I think it's, a lot. It, yeah, it is, and I think it's it's like that snowball effect. You know, as you as you acquire more, then you can spend more. And and that you know that that's what happens, and that's the momentum that goes past what I would refer to as fair market value. So so in this recent um, rally, driven a lot by momentum and driven driven somewhat by fear of missing out, there's a point that the market crosses, which is um, that equilibrium point, the fair market value point. And I I'm pretty sure we're very close to it now. And again, the reasons I say that are looking at just te- Tesla and Netflix reporting better than expected, but yet the stock price drops. So th- I think we're getting close to that point, but you're absolutely right. The more money that gets goes gets put in, it just it, it expands like the way a snowball going down a hill. You're you're gathering momentum and the momentum is very hard to break. We we as a firm our investment strategy is not momentum you know if you if we were going to do it i might do a little bit in my personal account but it is not our investment strategy we're looking much more for long term we're looking for its high you know really strong risk adjusted returns when the market is already run like this you have to look at the risk that's associated with putting more money into that because then what ends up happening is you're buying buying at a higher dollar price and when there is a sell-off, which there will be, you're going to lose, you know, some significant value, and you're going to have such a large um, asset. You know, you're going to have such a large, um, you know, I would call it a concentrated position, if you will, whether it be in the seven, the big seven names that have run, or um, one name, for example. But but you're going to have such a large concentrated position that you can get hit pretty hard. Concentration risk. You know, even the companies that seem like they're, you know, the most solid are going to have issues. There's going to be something that comes in from left field that we just haven't predicted. And it could be competition. It could be, you know, we never would have expected that, you know, some of the issues, um, for example, with the, say, with the streaming companies or with or, or with uh, some technology companies that that we that we've seen. Uh, PNC, I guess, just gradually getting worse property and casualty. This, you know, you have to stay on top of these things because they don't go to the moon. And even though right now it seems like they're going to the moon, remember to diversify. Well, uh, I want to zero in on that with you a little bit for sure. What I, I have uh, some questions about, let's say, Microsoft. Um, 
bellwether, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the one stock from the 90s. It's actually higher than it was in the 90s. Yeah, uh, yeah. Appears they can do no wrong. All right now, they are, they are pushing for a company that size. According to uh, macro trends here, their P.E. ratio as of July 17, which is three days ago, is 37 which for a company that size, to me, is astronomically... It, it either says uh, one of two things. Either we're going to get, and I know I always say this, we're going to get a boatload more money into the system from some crisis from the Fed, okay, which, which would mean that the, the dollar goes down and not Microsoft goes up in some ways. It, it could mean the future is brighter than you and I even begin to think that it might be. Um, but it also could mean now if Microsoft's trading a, a PE of 36, there's nothing wrong with Carvana being 136. I mean, is it is it repricing everything to a, a ludicrous extent, or you know, is it is it mean that the next five years we have so much growth we don't even know what the hell it is? I I, I don't I, would, I don't know what it is. Tom, I think the best analogy, especially for the listeners, is to think about real estate, right? So to compare what we're saying and what you're saying and what I'm I'm on on board with what you're saying with real estate. So at some point, you know, you have a house that for so long is, re- especially in places like Florida and the Midwest where home values have generally been relatively stable over decades. You know, you have some ups and downs, but not like you do on the coasts. And and I, I would say that if you're, if you're used to a certain neighborhood having property values in the, you know, the $400,000 range, and all of a sudden now it's, they have like a six, seven, eight, 900,000 that repricing that happens then all of a sudden you get used to okay now at 900 this you know it's like repricing and saying you know is it really is what we do is we make a determination is is it worth 900 or how much of that has been driven by lack of supply or momentum so more money being put into the system taking those prices up and of course what happens is there are people who will say at some point it's really too much this is a good time to sell. By the way, I need to retire. Oh, my my HOA fee, my my property taxes, my insurance have gone up so much. I'm on a fixed income, so I might as well cash out. So 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 it, the same principle applies to stocks. So when you get used to that new level, which is what you're which is what you're describing, you sometimes forget that this has been. You have to look back in history and see just where you've come from. For example, a client of mine sent a message yesterday. Since we do more income-oriented strategies, we do some growth, but not we don't do the the heavy growth stuff, the, the momentum growth. He's got a little account that he set up on his own that he manages, and he says, yeah, it's nice to finally see some activity. But he, but he was also wise enough to say, but I will go back to when I started this account, and I'm still down 300%. So there's, there's a repricing that everyone is gonna see differently. So I might see the house across the street from me going for a million dollars and say, no way. But somebody else coming from, from Boston or New York might see, see that and saying, this is a steal compared to what I, would, you know, what I could get up north. So I think a lot of it has to do with investor perception, consumer percep- perception. And it's hard to, it's, it's one thing that's really tough to do right now is to get all investors together and have a have a um, you know a one way of thinking if you will because everyone is viewing um, you know the overpricing in Kavana or maybe um, the underpricing in some some other names differently 
and that's what makes a market, and that's what makes our jobs fun. Well, the, the part that I have the most, I don't know if we're at the top here, the anime, obviously nobody knows. Uh, you and I are thinking it's, it's getting, I mean, for, for Microsoft to, to grow into this number, they almost, what are they, how are they going to double $207 billion a year to go back to like, you know, 20p or something? Uh, that, that, that's a problem for anybody. But you know what, what is interesting? There's, I don't know, I don't know what the issue is with a lot of a lot of the clients. You know, I talk to them, but I don't. They're not here. They don't show up. But they're I, what I'm sensing for an awful lot of people. And this is the Kenny and I were talking about the other day. Somehow, there are a lot of people in the retail community uh, that if you if you and I'm sure you see this. You you don't say it as much as I do, but you're gonna have people that say I want to be X percent in this or X percent in that and X percent of this. And and whatever, and I want to be. Maybe I want some metals. Maybe I want some fixed income. Maybe I want something. And you and you put it together, and everybody's all rational. And it, and all of a sudden now it's July, and in the one area this year, it's the high tech that's done real well. Oh, by the way, we forget the part that that was the area that did like the worst last year. We're gonna forget that right, part. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so now, you might say, I mean, if you're a professional trader, you might say, well, the ones that I've made way more than I ever dreamed I was gonna make. And now they're a higher percentage of my portfolio than I started with at the beginning of the year that I thought was rational. I'll cut back on those. I've had not too many current clients, thank God, but people call up and say, I've got to get rid of all the stuff that's not working and put it in the other stuff. And yeah. I, and, I, and I go, it's, please, don't, don't, don't even say that. I mean, you know what the thing is, though, Dan, they, they could be right. But how many people do you know of now, even if it's 5 or 10% they have in metals, and if you've done your options against it, you're still up on the year. I mean, you still, but it's not clearly. We would have rather had that money in Nvidia, right, or Microsoft. I mean, it doesn't take a, a you know, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure that out. But we can't trade the last six months. We got to trade you, the next six months. That's oh, you can't you can't fall in love with the winners, and you and that's you know, in in the and you really have to understand. I mean, the other thing that we do, where we you know visit with CEOs and visit companies and get to know them, is. I will not own a company and a portfolio that I don't fully understand. So that means following it on an ongoing basis, not just saying, okay, the stock was up 10%, so we're gonna own it because it'll be up another 10%. Yes, I do have clients who think like that and it's across the board, but that's our job and much the where I believe it's my job is to temper that, that those viewpoints and also to educate and let them know that this is actually the time to trim the position or rebalance and maybe look for something that's undervalued that where you can, you know, you have more upside. So you can have another one of those, you know, 10 percenters that you just had recently. So that's what, you know, our job is ongoing. It's Without not like a, a project. It just, it changes every day, but it's ongoing. We're following the markets every day. We're making those changes and that's what we're getting paid for. And that's, you know, that's why we're we've but been doing it's, it's, it is stunning though that if because you never do this or neither do I because we're both registered we, we can't nor would we if you came out today and said Jesus time I got you wouldn't believe there's this company that does turtle eggs in, in Zimbabwe and I think this thing's going to triple in three weeks I guarantee you I'd get a call right after the show buy me some of that stuff <laughs> I believe it <laughs> you, 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 you know. I believe it I would, I would stick with comfort systems as my as my call and after I see them next week I'll, I'll, I'll 
I'll let let you know if I want to put both thumbs up or, or just keep the one thumb up for now. But but uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, you know, it it is the fear of missing out, and and, and we talk about we don't have the same fear. No. Yeah, yeah, we do. When when, when uh, Dr. J and I were on the score. I don't know how I ended up there. People would be calling in, and, and, and some of the guys that were on the station, they'd always have some, some ridiculous stock. One was some uh, gay radio station in New York. And, you know, it was, you know, point zero 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 one, And I don't, I don't really buy any of that crap, and I, nor do I ever do it for my clients. Sure enough, everybody's buying all this stuff. So I go, Maybe maybe I should take five hundred bucks and throw it in there because I don't want to be the only person in the one in a gazillion chance this thing works like the lottery. It's like in your office. I mean, if everybody walks around and gets a buck for the lottery for tonight, you don't want to not give them the buck, even though you know you're never going to win, right? Because you don't want to be the only person still working. Everybody else is retired, right? <laughs> in case in case you do win, it turns out at the end of like three years for the radio, I probably got four or five of these. The total total value of them that I put in might might have been fifteen hundred bucks, and finally I go. Get these things out of my portfolio. I don't really want to look at them. <laughs> but 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 it's not like we don't all have that fear of missing out, right? We all yeah. Do. I think I think that to a certain degree, I, I do agree with you. I think the discipline that that I have and that that we have as the firm also would be similar to thinking. You know, everyone everyone's driving the new Tesla, for example. I've had no desire to buy one, but if I can find, you know, there could be another car that I find that that you know has a lot of the same benefits. That's less expensive. That fits better. That, that doesn't have the height. And I think part of being a good investment manager is to find those names that don't have the height if you are like us, not a momentum player. Right. And if you are a momentum player, then go ahead and buy the Tesla, both the car and the stock, and go in, in good luck and go for it. But it doesn't mean that there isn't another good alternative that might be better, more suitable for you. Um, let, last quick comment, and just because we got to get to Mr. Flanagan here. One thing I have noticed, Dan, as much as you and I might say we're not momentum guys I, I will say this because of the fabric of, of the market has changed in my opinion well I know it has changed because I used to trade in the floor there is no floor uh, fabric of the market has changed with only a few people providing quote markets once something starts to move and people see the order flow pushing one way or the other the people who do the trading now see the order flow coming we never, yes. used, we never used to be able to so Absolutely. the reason why Carvana was up 10 bucks yesterday is partially because people want to own it, partially because some people saw the herd coming that way and backed up. Yep. And it, and Absolutely, I, yeah. And I, and I think that... There's that, a lot more transparency with, yeah. with uh, the flows of funds. Uh, no question. Some, somebody looking at the order before they trade it, I guess transparency would be the word. Thieving, yep. might, be, thieving might be the word as well, but... Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> anyway, Dan, thank you very much, buddy. Look to see you in person one of these days. SP Futures down 11. NASA Futures down 113. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas. 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. 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 Right and Netflix, uh, which actually had really good earnings, uh, on 29, almost 30, that's 6%. Uh, so Dan's right, The uh, whatever the uh, expectators were there, I, allegedly, Andrew, what they say, they, they got a lot of uh, new add-on people because they, they're cutting back on people sharing their, uh, sharing the, whatever, the subscription or something. They claim that that's worked out. I would have thought that would have been positive for the stock, but that kind of own position. Um, we have... Uh, yeah, individual stocks in the Dow. We got IBM down 130. They had earnings as well. It was only it was up like 10 cents last night. And Amgen up buck 78. Uh, Johnson and Johnson is uh, uh, up 82 cents as they beat as well. Real quick over in Asia, uh, Nikkei down 405, 1.2 percent. Hang Seng down 24.1 percent. Shanghai down 29.9 percent. Europe, Europe's actually to the upside. Uh, DAX up 31.2 percent. FTSE up 48.6. Kakaran up 25.4. Uh, and yesterday, real, uh, Dow down one, up 109. S&P up 10. Nasdaq up 4. So an upside day, but not as high up as we have been. Uh, 10 year up 7 basis points, 2.81. The bond up 2 basis points, 2.41. Japan unchanged, 0.47. Oil up 22 cents, creeping a little bit, 75.57. Rent up 20 cents, 79.66. Natural gas up 8 cents, 268. Arbob unchanged, 271. Gold down 20 cents, but 1980, uh, clicking at the top end of the range here. We'll see if it goes through 2000 or comes right back down like it usually does. Silver uh, down a penny, 25.37. Copper unchanged. As you know, copper's up six cents, 3.87. We have Bitcoin up 179, just back over 30,000, 30,235. Uh, we're about dollar is actually up today a little bit. Uh, euros down 21 basis points, 111. Uh, the British pound down to 128. That's another 0.6%. So it's down almost 1.5% in the last three days. Andrew, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is 7.39 here in Chicago on July 20th. Uh, starting off with some sports. The Cubs won over the Nationals yesterday, uh, winning 8-3. to But the White Sox lost to the Mets, and in their game, 5-1. to 
And Diamondbacks won over the Braves 5-3. Over to Chicago weather is currently 74 degrees. We have sunny skies. We're going to have a high of 87 today. That's going to hit around 2 to 5 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're at 96 degrees. They're still in that excessive heat warning, so they got clear skies, but they're going to be reaching temps of about 110, and that's going to last nearly all the way from 11 a.m. to about 8 p.m. Uh, so moving over to Chicago traffic, finally. Uh, looks like still no major accidents to report, thankfully. Uh, just a little bit more than what we reported on the first hour. Um, if you're coming in inbound on that Stevenson, Eisenhower, or Kennedy, I expect some inbound delays. Uh, but if you're going outbound, expect delays from about uh, Costner Avenue to Harlem Avenue on the Eisenhower, or basically, let's see, nearly all the way from downtown to, uh, to Foster Avenue if you're going out on the Kennedy. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. We have Mr. Flanagan. You do. Good hey, morning, Tom. Hey, Jan, how are you? I think I Good. probably got a little too deep with Lou on some of the law stuff that I don't know much about, but I still am, am flummoxed as who, who, who gets the court, who doesn't, who gets in, who doesn't. And it seems to me it's way more political than it ought to be. Just, I don't know if it's Well, all. You know, I agree with what Lou said about an elected judiciary because it does give at least the appearance, and, and I think more than the appearance, that the people have a say in this. And I think as comparison to, you know, the, the system in Israel that Netanyahu is fighting against is dead. I, I, don't, I don't really know how that works, so he had me at a total disadvantage there. I just, I just know whenever you want to get rid of the judiciary and you're the guy running the place, it kind of smells a little bit to me. But we'll Yeah, see. I mean, the whole system is just kind of run off the rails. I mean, it's like everything woke, you know, on steroids, and I think that the, you know, the people are the ones who ultimately suffer when you have that, that kind of an oppressive judiciary that calls the shots. Um, so I... I you know, I'd rather have an elected judiciary here. The thing I really don't like is how little coverage any of these judicial elections get in, in the newspapers. And the rating system, I, I'm convinced, is completely corrupted. So you've got the bar associations um, telling you who to vote for. And the process you go through to get those endorsements is pretty ridiculous. So, I mean, I, this is not a guarantee of getting the best people um, you know, on the bench, but at least there is the possibility to get rid of somebody. Name me one person. Like name me one person, and I, I, as an as a voter, I consider myself. Uh, I won't say reasonably enlightened, but somewhat aware. I have no idea I'm voting for these judges. And that you know, that's the way they like it, then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the less you know and the less you worry about it or the less you think about it, the better because, you know, the, the elected judges, uh, retention is a very easy, you know, bar each time it comes around for the, the, you know, the circuit court judges every six years, unless you've done something egregious you know, that's got your name plastered all over the headlines. And it's pretty hard to hide from. Um, you're not, you're not going to be, you know, seriously challenged. You know, you do get on the wrong side of the machine or, or whatever, but you defied them in some way or, that, you know they they don't think they have the control over you. <laughs> Maybe they thought they did when they push your election the first time around, and they try to get rid of selected people. So you you have to watch the grassroots efforts to dethrone. Sort of like when uh, sort of like when Tony Preckwinkle tried to get Judge yes. Tuman tossed out because he gave a ruling exactly. she didn't like. Yeah, Be, you know because of the you know and uh, um, that shows how how you know precarious the system really is and and is liable to. You know, corruption and, and 
you know, derailing by people at the top. So, but on the whole, it's, it's a better system than what the purely appointed judiciary, which I think is really well. I, I should never, Jan, if I, at the University of Chicago, I should have probably taken more accounting classes and worked for a, an accounting firm and retired very wealthy uh, instead of the crap I did. T- when I said the crap I took, the, the stuff that I, I did to better my mind. I should never have taken the two uh, classes with George Stigler, even though they were probably the two most <laughs> fabulous classes ever. It, it just gave me a mindset that uh, I don't know. It's, it, 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 you're like, who, who's the uh, the Greek mythology? The lady Cassandra could see could see stuff happening. Oh yeah, she, she she prophesies and nobody believes her. Yeah, and nobody believed her. And uh, I I I see these judicial elections and. You know, kind of the same way you do a, a representative one, but the judicial, I think, is even more insidious. When you see the the job pays, you know, pick a number, 150 grand, 175 grand, they don't pay that much. Even an appellate judge, I bet they're not. They're not in Illinois. I bet they're not. Are they 200 grand, Jen? Maybe. Probably, yeah. Uh, but it's not. It's nothing like a, a high end lawyer where they always. You know, oh God, no. Yeah. No. Uh, now whether they'd be. I, but the idea that the that the campaign is pushing, you know, million, two million, three million, four million dollars for the job that pays two hundred, say, to me, I mean, uh, if George Stigler was standing there, Nobel Prize winner, he, he wouldn't need me to tell him. He's going to say there's something wrong here. I mean, what what is this money being spent for? What if, and whenever whenever you, the thing I always. You know, when you, when you when you talk to people or whatever on on the show, turn it around. I mean, the the interesting part about Stigler and, and Vito Corleone was sort of the same thing. Put yourself in the other person's mind. Why why is this person or this company donating eighty grand to a judge's campaign? I mean, what what why would somebody do that? Don't assume it's just because you have money you, you piss it away because. People that I know that have money are cheaper than people who don't. It just, I mean, nobody. The reason why people have money is because they're careful about it, right? Uh, right. So, is it is it State Farm, who's in Illinois? I mean, it's we're headquartered in Illinois. Do they want to make sure that every single judge that, that they're liable to come across, they're at the Supreme Court, appellate court, even some of the other levels, has a State Farm check in their pocket every single time some personal injury comes up against State Farm? I mean. Are you are you buying influence? How much? If you give somebody ten grand, are you buying that case? No, I, but but you're doing something. I mean, it, it, you're you're giving it to somebody because you're going to get something out of it. And whether you do or you don't, or whether somebody totally blocks it out and because you sent them a check, purposely rules against you. I, mean, I suppose there could be somebody like that too. Although I don't know who the hell they are. I mean, it, you're, you're something is happening, and so I don't. It's it's the great unspoken. Yeah. You know, deal with the law time. My brother and I have spoken often about how you know, when we were at the Paul Law um, and I was going to law school right when they instituted the professional responsibility element of the bar. It was a separate course, a separate exam you had to pass in addition to the bar exam to be licensed on judicial ethics, a lawyer's e- ethics, and ethics, ethics, judiciary duty. All, ethics all, for lawyers in the same sentence? <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, the the 
the masquerade you went through was that you know this is what you, your lawyer shouldn't do, and you have to know exactly how to handle clients' funds, and blah 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 blah. But never once in law school, and this goes for every every law school, as far as I've been able to find out, was there ever any discussion about judicial corruption, or how many of the judges whose decisions we were reading eventually went to jail for whatever reason, and what were those reasons? Because you can't believe that all these judges were always on the up and up. But it was it was never even thought of, Tom, and you weren't supposed to think about it apparently. And yet, when you get you know thrown out into the wolves of, of a court system in any big city, uh, this is what you really have to kind of go home and think about to yourself or selected members of your circle of friends. How many of these judges are on the take? How many of them are not what they appear to be? And how do they get where they are? And how do they keep getting the same kind of cases over and over again? It makes you wonder. And I. You know, I don't believe that an elected judiciary solves that problem. Maybe in some ways it adds to the problem, but it's the fact that nobody talks about it and the newspapers never discuss it. And they, when elections come around, they don't give any, you know, attention to them. They just repeat what the various bar associations are saying. And if you don't trust the judges, how can you trust the bar associations? So I, I just find it all it's a great unspoken problem here that. Um, needs to be spoken about, but it hasn't changed since I've been in law school. I doubt it's going to change soon. Well, my my guys that I meet, uh, they will tell you now. But you know, one of my best friends is as a criminal attorney, and, and he'll and he he will say that well, at Twenty Sixth Street or at uh, Rolling Meadows or Skokie, when you the judges there that are doing the normal criminal stuff, he says virtually all these people are pretty good, and he goes. He goes, matter of fact, because there's 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 one one black guy that got appointed, and nobody could figure out why the hell the guy got appointed. And she goes, he goes, the guy's been there ten years, he's easily the best judge in the system. You know, so the guy's hasn't stopped learning, hasn't stopped, you know, whatever. Uh, he's because you, you never really know. Now, now that's totally different than a than a State Farm uh, personal injury case or where there's big money to somebody. I mean, I mean, the question is what. What what day are they waiting for? Just like you know, when when Sonny got killed on the causeway, that was the day the favor was to the undertaker, right? He called him. Right. You, you never know what's in the background and what day the favor is going to get called, right? And and I'm sure that if the judge you back in Chicago ends up at Twenty <clears> Sixth <throat> Street doing carjackings and God knows what else, the guy could spend or lady could spend thirty five years there, and there's there's never a favor to be had, right? Right. But all of a sudden, it's like like the scene in Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Yeah. Gene Lockhart is the judge trying Santa Claus, you know, Edmund Quinn. And William Frawley is kind of Gene Lockhart's handler. He's this hack judge. And William Frawley is just sitting there with a cigar in his mouth, nodding yes or no, before Gene Lockhart makes his ruling. And Lockhart's looking right at William Frawley. Everything Frawley tells him to do, he does. And it's, it's part of the charm of that movie. But it ain't so charming in real life, I think, for a plaintiff and a defendant. I think they've got a, a judge who's not crooked. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know which is... I, I think part of it is we, we, we pay people in those positions not very much, not so much a judge, but, you know, we pay aldermen. We used to pay them like nothing because we knew they were on the take and they were mad they were on the take. I mean, it, what, what, what are the other? What, what, what are we doing here? But anyway, there's a, one of the buildings uh, that's across the street from us down here and I think it's third or fourth biggest building in the city, uh, 175 West Jackson. It's big enough to have two addresses, right? It's 175 wow. West Jackson, and what is it, 166 
West Monroe or one something something West Monroe. Was that Van Buren or something? Van Buren, Van Buren. Sorry, and uh, it's a full square black, and we were in there forever. And we used to our our favorite Trader Bar was in there forever. It used to house the Mid America Commodity Exchange, um, it's, it's known as the Insurance Exchange, and they had issues. Uh, uh, they were having issues kind of before COVID, but uh, they essentially the people who own the place. I think he had 40, 50 million into it, Jan, or something. Let's say they paid two and a quarter, 225. These numbers, I think, are rough, but they're probably close. They had a mortgage of 175 or thereabouts, maybe 171 or something. They finally said that the, the guys, here's the keys, it's yours. Our 50's gone, we're, gonna, we're out of here. We don't want no part of this place. So now the, the people who uh, have the, the mortgage on it, I don't think it's one bank, it's probably a group of people, uh, the thing is now going out for, I saw it in Crane just they somehow, some like a, a foreclosure auction of some kind. And, but, you know, John, it's kind of a backdrop. Everybody talks about, you know, the COVID and the downtown and the crime and the exchanges being gone. And to a large extent, the city did that to them. I mean, right when I say the city, uh, one of the anchor tenants downstairs, I happen to know the guy who ran the place because we were there forever and his locker was next to mine at the club, so I talked to him all the time. I said, what the hell happened over there? And he goes, well, they have uh, the anchor tenant. When I say an anchor tenant, it's probably people that had huge, were bigger than these guys, but there was a, a big CVS on the corner of, uh, um, what is it, Franklin and, uh, no, Wells and uh, Jackson. And those guys have been there forever. They had, you know, the place is huge, but it was a big CVS. And, uh, China, I think they did fine. They did real. The place was always crowded. Everybody got the prescriptions there, and they all they had enough. You know, if you want to go over there and buy a thing of cookies, you could, that type of thing. And uh, all of a sudden, they're out of there. Like in two weeks, they're just gone. I mean, I don't know how long it takes to pack up all the shelves in a CVS. But, and I said to this dude, hey, what's going on down there? And he goes, well, they've been paying 17 grand a month uh, forever, which they're happy with. Uh, but they all, they have a... What's the term? Where the, where the lease goes up every time the taxes go up? The escalator clause. Yeah, but with, with taxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. After, I'm going to say 10, 15, 10, 12, 15 years, the, the escalator was 240 grand a year. And how much the taxes went up because the building had been doing pretty well. And all of a sudden, they're like, we're not paying that. That's another 20 grand a month. That's more, that's more than the lease. And the building said, you know... Uh, it's as far as you know. It's as far as we can go. And the guy said, "Well, we're out of here." And there was there was there used to be a really big restaurant thing in there that we used to hang out all the time. We we're still trading um, Excelsior, which you know, great, great bar, great food. Well, they 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 were gone when they remodeled the place in two thousand. But there were another guy started down the way, uh, Pug Mahones, and it was a you know not as big or as nice as Excelsior. It was a nice place, bar, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And, uh, you know, when, when you have a building that size, you have to have some place, especially Chicago weather, where people can go in the building for lunch or maybe for a drink after work or something. You got to take your umbrella or your parker. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they tried to raise the rate on those guys, and they go, we're not making that much, so they leave. So all of a sudden, the thing is kind of falling apart before, and my, uh, my buddy Greg, was in, who's still in the building, one night he says to me, you know, since Pug Mahone's left, you know, he goes, I don't know if it's causative or not. The building has lost, I mean, it's a huge place. The building has lost like 800 tenants, 800 people. And so. I was doing some research on it, Tom. I mean, it, 
Brookfield, who's the current owner in default on the loan, bought it in 2018 for 306 million. Uh, it generated nine million last year, which is about half what it takes to cover the mortgage. Well, because the place is half full at most. Yeah, it's 59 percent occupancy, which I, and I, I I think that's a high number. 59 percent are still. Are, I'm going to say 59 percent are still paying rent of some sort, but right, and they they're not have anybody in. These they might not be. Not, yeah, there's no way if you walk through the lobby. You could roll a bowling ball down there and hit anybody's foot. Well, it, it appraised in March of 2022 for $210 million. Uh, it's now valued at $170 million. So that's almost a you know, 45% reduction in value in five years. Yep. Um, the good thing is, I guess, you know, it shows how starved we are for good news, um, is that these places are coming on the market and people are trying to sell them, which is the only way out for the lender who's going to be stuck holding the bag. So there's 300 South Wacker and 150 North Michigan, the stone container, the, the stone, what's it, Smurfit? Yep. Dealing with the with solar panels. Smurfit Stone. Smurfit Stone. Yeah. And the Board of Trade, these are all buildings that are now being marketed. Um, and there are contracts to purchase, I think, on two of them, which is a good thing. I mean, the, the idea is if these things didn't sell, then you could just got like a blank page in your logbook of what's going to come next. But something will happen if these deals go through. And there may be, you know, competition to get tenants back in there and all sorts of perks offered. Um, but you're starting out at, you know, you're, you're going uphill because you're trying to rebuild occupancy rates when there's so many things fighting. All right, so you've gone from. Three hundred twenty-five million. I'm going to say the thing goes for one hundred and ten. One hundred and twenty, somewhere in there. Or you, you think? Are you willing to pay more? Well, yeah, it'll be a fire sale price, whatever. Yeah. Okay, so now the taxes that caused part of the problem in the first place are they reduced by two thirds? Or oh, no? no? I mean, this is something that's going to be, you know, endlessly fought over until these. Um, Buildings become profitable, and they can't become profitable if the taxes are going one way. Or the building but, I, but I'm not. There's no way. If my taxes are the same as they were when it drove the CVS and plugged yeah, Mahomes yeah, out, I'm not giving them one ten. I wouldn't give them ten. You won't get any. You won't yeah. get any CVSs or restaurants or donut shops. You know, you're not going to get any. But I wouldn't give them ten if I had to pay that. When, what do you What do you suppose the taxes were tapped out at? And our Our building here, you know, I don't. I'm not that tight with the owner. I know a lot of the people. But the rumors are in, in like 2000, they were the taxes were like 25 and now they're 100. I mean, some it's it's not even close to a building. And now there's four floors that are open here. I mean, are, is any of this stuff coming? Is the city, Brandon Johnson, does he have any, or Lori or any of these people have any idea that, that they're, they're the ones that are driving, they're helping drive people the hell out of here? Nobody wants to, to touch the fact that they've gotten used to the tax revenue that they could just ratchet up and up and in good times nobody is, is paying all that much attention to it and in times like, like this it's all you can pay attention to but there's never been any retraction of assist valuation of any meaningful kind and it certainly doesn't happen with the average homeowner in Cook County um, and maybe even less likely now to happen to you know a commercial real estate investor where you get you know some kind of abatement on this I mean <laughs> I, I just think as long as they're spending money at the rate they are and you know finding ways 
to spend money they don't have. This is what just floors me, whether it's a migrant crisis or something else. We don't need all these problems landed on our doorstep because we can't pay for the ones we have to deal but with. But how, how is a, I mean, I don't know beans about real estate law, but is, is any kind of an investor, and all investing is the same, okay, and what you try and do is get all your predictions of wherever the area is, what you think is going to happen going forward, and you look at what you have to pay to get into whatever the business is, and you see if they sort of match up. There's no way I can make the bid on that place if I don't know what the city is going to do to me. Because that's that's too big of a variable to not have on the table. I mean, if the city were going to say, I'll, because I know you're buying this place and there's nobody in the joint, I'll, I'll make your taxes five grand or some stupid number for, for three years, I think I'm paying more than, well, wait a minute, get in there and sue us and see what happens. Right now it's the current bill. I, I, I can't do that, John. I can't do it. No. Well, and this is what's happened with the Bears and their venture in Arlington Heights. Uh, not that I, I believe in any tag days for the Chicago Bears, but, but you know it's, it's a total, you know, opportunistic way. If, if you're the assessor, here's somebody who we can kind of back, you know, build our tax revenue by claiming this property was worth more going back until the, the Bears first became interested in it. When there's nothing built there, such as that they've got any increase in value that they can assess. So no wonder the Bears are interested in walking away. It's the same thing with well, the office. The, bear, the Bears too. wanted the, the taxes uh, frozen for like 100 years when it was yeah. unoccupied. Well, screw that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. pleading their case here. But I do think that, you know, as in any case like this, where there's some major... You know, development. The assessor is the first one in line to figure out how everybody uh, else is going But, to I mean, we, we got a dash, John. We, we and I will debate this over a beer, but if you and I bought an empty lot in Palos and built a house on it, we don't, we don't go to the guy and say, we want the taxes the same for the empty lot for the next 10 years. He'd look at us like we're idiots. Well, from what I understand, Katie, the assessor was going back. <laughs> they were starting a, a, you know, a day before any construction had taken place with yeah. the assessed valuation. But don't, so, if, if you put a garage up, your taxes go up, right? Right, but I mean, just the, the expectancy of building something. Yeah. If you don't double the assessment on a vacant lot just because... Oh, I, I, I think the Bears wanted want them frozen right now for at least a decade, and they told them no. Well, I, that's you know, what I thought. It's a battle between the sleaze bags if you pit the Bears against... You know, oh, yeah, the it's, <laughs> they're well-armed, both... <laughs> <laughs> Stay far away from that conflict. <laughs> well, Jan, I missed you last night, bud. See you soon. Uh, SP Futures now down 13. NASDAQ down 130. We're leaking, leaking pretty good. Uh, we'll see if we stay down, though. We don't usually lately. Maybe we will today. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.